Michael Perlet. I'm Asher Collins, and together we bring you Exercise Equals Life Podcast. Thank you for joining the Exercise Equals Life Podcast. Today we are joined by Stephen Borden, He's the general manager at Saga, which produces Bluetooth blood flow restriction cuffs. Thank you for joining us, Stephen. I have an American football background. Uh, played at University of Kentucky. And I think at my time there, that was kind of the birth of, of modern sports science, at, at least uh, tracking technologies. We, we started implementing technologies like Catapult and Omega Wave. And that was kind of the early days, you know, 2013, 2014, there weren't many teams utilizing technology, at least at scale like that. Um, and I think that kind of drew my interest in the, the broader field of sports science and human performance. And so when I finished playing football, was kind of bouncing around NFL mini camps for a few years um, and, you know, never landed on a roster. And so I was kind of looking for what I wanted to do and had had some connections and places like, you know, Catapult and different sports tech companies. And so I ended up landing at a company called Vald, who I was just speaking with Michael about. I know he's he's broadly familiar with the company Vald. Um and then through my time at Vald, we ended up launching a separate company called Saga, which exclusively at the moment, uh, we sell bl Bluetooth enabled blood flow restriction cuffs. And so that's kind of where the blood flow restriction part comes in is um, I manage that company now, the company of Saga. And part of our um, goal as a company is to educate the market, you know, um, on blood flow restriction, practice protocols, science behind it. I think it's something that we tend to get a lot of questions about in the inbox. And so through the, the act of trying to educate the, the market on blood flow restriction, I've developed a bit of bit of knowledge on the topic. That's amazing, yeah. So just a little bit of background for the audience. I'm using blood, the Saga blood flow restriction cuffs for my thesis research in Montclair State University. And that's how I became more familiar with the company. I you know, was deciding on which blood flow restriction cuff to use and Saga happened to be a most accessible one at the time. And then through uh, some shipping you know, over the holiday and um, we, we, we connected that way. Leave um, a couple of emails. But yeah. Michael, take a deeper dive. I mean, by the way, my name is Asher Collins and I'm an occupational therapist. Um, my background and experience in education with blood flow didn't exist. I never heard of it. Um, it just doesn't come into my domain of practice. It anecdotally came into my sphere through Michael. Um, in fact, I was training in the gym and people would start mentioning it because I'm very vascular naturally. And as a joke, you know, they'd come up and give me a slap and be like, what's up with the blood flow restriction? I didn't even know what anybody was talking about. And then when I heard about it as a clinician, I'm like, why would I want to cut my blood? It, the whole thing, just quite honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't piece it together. I didn't understand the science behind it. And then Michael became very heavily involved in it. Um, and I became intrigued by it and I've only done it. I've only used the cuffs twice and have been kind of amazed at, because I've been training for 40 years, the amount of training effect I got from it using a whole lot less weight and volume than I'm accustomed to using. Um, so I've kind of flipped from a stance of what the hell is that? And why would I want to do it to, um, one of a greater understanding of the science behind it and having given it a shot, so to speak. I mean, you have to take a bite of something to decide if you like the taste. Um, I do. 
I actually do. It's, it's not something that you would want to do all the time. I mean, I think there's a time and a place for it, especially thinking as a therapist, you know, I mean, Michael and I've had this discussion about like applications for different disease processes, especially for people who are paralytic and, and stuff like that. Like there's, there's gazillions now that I have a, a better understanding and it's still nascent, but a better understanding of what it actually is. I'm kind of riffing. So I can absolutely see its application with athletes and elite athletes, particularly, um, especially in periods of recovery. But I, I don't think this is a gen pop kind of topic. I don't think the rank and file, you know, even dedicated amateur athlete out there, your, your regular gym goers kind of necessarily have a clear understanding of what blood flow restriction is. And do you guys who are in it find that, um, the, that lack of knowledge, your greatest challenge in terms of selling product? To some degree, yes. I think we, my assumption, my incorrect assumption when I started at Saga was, oh, you know, if, if you have a you know physical therapy background or if you're a strength coach or sports scientist, you um, will be really well up to speed on BFR literature and physiology. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to forget that this is somewhat the field of blood flow restriction is mm -hmm. still in its infancy. Um, you know, of course, uh, Yoshiaki Sato, I think yeah. or Sato Sato, um, in, it was the sixties when he started experimenting in BFR, but modern day BFR literature didn't really start to come into play until the late 1990s. And, you know, so it's not something that everybody's well across. And so part of that's, that's been our goal is like, let's try mm -hmm. to educate the broader market. Okay. Physios are becoming more familiar, sports scientists, strength coaches. Now, how can we distill the, the physiology of blood flow restriction and the potential benefits, applications, use cases to, you know, Susie, who just, you know, works out three times a week and, you know, wants to get in better shape exactly. or, um, gen pop. And so, yeah, no, I so think that's a there. great challenge. And at least for myself, right. So the first pair of blood flow restriction cuffs that I ever purchased was manual inflatable cuffs, right? And that presents a challenge. Not many people will have the time during their workout to manually inflate it and then, you know, sit around and wait, deflate it, inflate it, uh, pre and post set. This is a Bluetooth option. It just introduces that accessibility, at least with the Saga cuffs. Yeah, that was a, a big, you know, we kind of saw a gap in the market where at the time when we created this product, there was really a couple options and it was very high low. So you had like your Delphi type unit, which is fairly cost intensive and potentially like training intensive. Um, and there's the constraint mm -hmm. of cables. Uh, and then you had inflatable cuffs, which were a manual process or like you're just straps that you would just almost like a rubber band that would go around the arm where the, you, you really have no idea mm -hmm. what level of occlusion you're at. And so we, we saw a spot somewhere in the middle where it's like, can we give the precision of, you know, of an Owens or a system like that with the ease of use where, you know, your average person doesn't have to worry about manually pumping or uh, not having any idea no, what correct. occlusion they're training at. So beyond like the, the fact of involving Bluetooth into the uh, blood flow restriction costs, how have you break that customer, you know, barrier, if you will? As far as the, the educational component yeah, on let, BFR let, let's more begin broadly. there at the educational components. 
Yeah. So th- the podcast has been really interesting for us. We're only uh, 12 or 13 episodes in, and it's been interesting to see which episodes are more popular than others. And it's given us a bit of feedback. And what we notice is that the more simple the information is, that those are our best episodes. Um, I kind of had the thought that like, man, we're going to all these sports scientists and physios are going to be listening to this, we need to, they're going to be really interested in literature, deep dives. And we'll do their episodes where I've spent 50 hours, you know, going through a meta analysis and then that'll have less downloads than, you know, an episode where I talked about the 30, 15, 15, 15. And you know something that actually makes sense um, to me. So that's one. That, that experience that yeah. really makes sense you, to me. Have you guys observed something like, similar? You know, Mount Everest of, of, of really high level questioning. And what you're really getting is, as I call it, gen pop. Like there are people out there that are looking for the next thing. You know what I'm saying? And social media kind of is the mega platform for the next thing. And you know what your what your I think your market is ultimately going to be people who, through the life course, are training for themselves, non-professional athletes, but people who want to remain in peak or optimal health throughout their lives. Like, this is kind of cool. What does it do? Kind of a kind of thing. I can honestly see. I'm not surprised at, at the results of, of that. You know, I mean, I think your, your yeah, biggest market it's been, uh, is going to be, you know, the people who have been committed to this for five days a week for X amount of years. Because it is. Once you look at it, it's incredibly. Cool. Where that's something that keeps going through my head is, uh, you know, the goal of when you're producing content, writing, whatever else, the goal should be to make your listener feel smarter, not to make you sound smarter. And I've started to think about that a lot when I'm making my episodes, because, um, again, just like you're saying that people just want to know, you know, all right, that's great, but tell me how to apply this. You know, like, I, I just want to know what's, what's the best path forward. Um, and there is, of course, an appetite for, you know, we see Peter Atia with his podcast. He gets really deep. Andrew Huberman. Um, there's an appetite for maybe more uh, granular information. But broadly speaking, people seem to really want protocol, you know, the applied. What do I do? Yeah, about there's this almost today? something like flashy about, you know, saying 30, 15, 15, 15. And I've been scrolling through the podcast, you know, your, your guys shows on um, the titles. I actually listened to Dr. Bill uh, Winchester this morning. Dr. Lee Winchester. Sorry. Um, but yeah, um, there's something flashy about that. And even if you get too granular into the information, a lot of podcasts are listened to on a morning drive. And it's really tough to absorb, you know, such scientific knowledge that early in the morning, if you leave your viewer with a better positive message, you're probably going to get a return on, you know, than listening to another episode. I think we all just need a, like a feel good, yeah, a feel good moment. And I mean, I think that the, your, your average individual is looking to know that it's well-researched, it is evidence-based, but let's face it, unless their knowledge level is your knowledge level, all they're going to hear is blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Realistically. So so then additionally with the podcast, what other methods have you used to inform the, the customer base on the benefits of blog? So we will do... We'll do blog articles. Um, those have been, the goal is to do a blog article for every podcast. Um, we've, I'd say 50-50 followed that. Um, our next kind of evolution is we're building out a, a huge YouTube series. So we'll do 
uh, shorter form content on YouTube. Of course, more visual. Uh, we'll have some, you know, training kind of protocols, exercise selection, stuff like that on there, but also science um, in short form content as well. Videos, even 30 seconds or less when possible. So we're trying to be on every platform uh, and just, you know, I think the, the podcast is great for in, in a lot of ways, but the scale of reach on platforms like YouTube and Instagram and, you know, all that are, are much broader. And so, um, but I think the podcast has provided a really good base and, and we, we have a big base now of, of pillar pieces of content. It forced me to, to read, you know, a ton of literature on the topic. So it makes the speed of producing videos on YouTube now much it's faster. Just going against what we just talked about, which literature have you been reading? Oh man. So we have, I've got a big list. Uh, I use notion. I don't know if you guys use notion, but for management and tracking all of my, my life. And there's a, a big list, uh, of literature there uh, we've gone through. So we'll pick like specific topics. Um, and that they'll generally be something from that we get as a request in the inbox. So what, what something we got this morning was what about BFR mm. during pregnancy? Uh, so we'll try to pick like specific topics like that. We, we did an episode on, uh, BFR and blood pressure, went through a couple of meta analyses there. Um, it, it really the, the gamut, uh, if you go through our episodes <clears throat> to some degree, there would have been uh, literature. I don't think there's any episode that there's not at least three or four papers referenced. Um, but uh, you know, we're, and we're trying to stay across new stuff too, but it's crazy with BFR. It seems like every day there's a new relevant yeah, no, that's paper really published. interesting. I mean, a lot of this is done on the relatively healthy population. Uh, have you looked at any clinical populations with use of VFR and which ones? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a few papers on looking at folks with congestive heart failure. Uh, and from those papers, there were, and I believe the ages in most of them are, you know, 60 plus, and there were no adverse events recorded in, in any of the papers that I can recall. I think one of them was on a six week time span. They were doing BFR. One of them was resistance training oriented. The other one was just walking under BFR. Uh, so that was a good one. Uh, let's see pregnancy. I guess that, you know, that's, that's a little bit yeah. different of a topic, but looked into that briefly this morning. Yeah. There's, there's actually a, a broader, uh, base of people that have been investigated Let's than I would have thought that. originally. What, what, what came out of that pregnancy article? <laughs> so I, it, very brief, um, I may still have the notes pulled up here, uh, but there were, let me see if I can just without, without making you guys wait for this. Um, I, yeah, and it's gone. Uh, so <laughs> in transparency, I was asking, I don't know if you guys are familiar with chat GPT, um, but I literally asked chat GPT to pull up any relevant papers on BFR and pregnancy and they listed four or five for me. And so I was, I got as far as reading the abstracts. Um, but it, you know, it, it's obviously a concern for people. I think in general BFR, when you hear you're restricting blood flow, um, it, it kind of turns an eye for a lot of people. Um, and so anything where s something, any instance where blood pressure is a concern, um, or obviously, you know, when pregnancy starts getting involved, people have questions. And so I think it's, it's an interesting topic, but all I read briefly was that, you know, there's two or three studies 
and no adverse effects were were reported. But again, I've not gone into any level of depth yeah, on those studies. Too, as you said, it's such an infancy stage. There's not much literature out there in terms of special populations or needs. It's it's an area left untapped. I think there's a lot of potential for it. One thing we can that that kind of is a guiding framework for a lot of these, and what we've noticed with BFR is that it, it takes whatever training you are doing, whether that's some form of endurance training or resistance training, and it just increases the intensity. So there doesn't appear to be anything physiologically um, different in terms of training under BFR when you match intensity. So a good example is, you know, if you were to test somebody walking on a treadmill at two miles an hour, uh, most people in relatively okay cardiovascular condition would have no difficulty doing that. Now, if you have take that same person a few days later and have them do the same speed on the treadmill, but under BFR, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them. Uh, they're the occluded blood flow. So, you know, obviously you've got less blood flow getting into your legs, but you're having virtually no blood leaving your legs. And so that, that can reduce your stroke volume, which just naturally jacks up your heart rate a little bit. So if you were to test somebody under those two conditions, your, your first assumption would be, you know, wow, BFR raised their blood pressure. It did relative to walking up without BFR, but it only did so because the workout was, the, the session was just more difficult. If they were to just increase the intensity slightly without BFR, you'd see roughly equivalent uh, blood pressure increases. So that's kind of like a guiding framework for BFR is yes, it's, it's different than traditional training. But when you match intensity, there doesn't appear to be any different uh, physiology, any concerning difference in physiology. Interesting. Um, Does that not sound like a stupid question? Of course, there's more to learn. But Again, I mean, as a clinician, and again, I'm not a physical therapist. I'm an occupational therapist, which is why this has never entered my sphere. But um, for your average and conditioned person, right, somebody who's in solid shape, I, the question that I've heard bandied about and was one of my original questions is, um, what's the payoff then? Why would I do it? I mean, it's cool. It's, it's, it's cool as hell. Like, you know, what am I doing it for? Like, so what's, what's the payoff to your, your man or woman who's in real solid shape, trains regularly, go. So, and we're Correct. assuming no I injuries mean, 100% here. intact in every way, shape, and form uh, across okay. 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s has been regular. There's no existing, pre-existing conditions. There's no meds involved. Like, it's just a solid athlete, albeit an amateur. Yep. So, we, we did an episode called When Should You Train BFR or When Does It Make Sense to Train with BFR? And we, we kind of isolated it down to four specific instances. Of course, one of them is when you're injured. So I'm going to rule that one out for now because this, this theoretical person is not injured. Uh, the other instances where that could be a benefit is, you know, okay, do you have a time constraint? Because in the example of somebody I just talked to yesterday on a podcast, he, he is very busy. He's a comedian um, all over the world. And when you have, let's say you have two sessions in a week and you, you can devote 30 mm. minutes in each session. Like, if you're going to try to lift heavy, you might spend almost all of that 30 minutes just trying to warm up to make sure that you're, you know, from a neurological perspective, you're ready, your muscles are ready to fire. Um, you're warm. You're not going to pull strain something. It doesn't make sense to lift super heavy. So that kind of brings you down to, 
somewhere in the 20 to 30 rep range is probably makes most sense for you to train in. And in those rep ranges, BFR can be really advantageous. Also training under BFR, it makes sense to train with less uh, recovery periods between sets, you know, somewhere of 30 to 60 seconds, because we're kind of teetering on that mm -hmm. metabolic stress portion of, you know, that's the, that is the stimuli that we're, of course, mechanical tensions involved, but that's, that's where we're gathering a lot of the, uh, you know, muscle building benefits. So shorter rest, lighter weights, uh, make sense for situations where you have a time constraint. Uh, the other benefit would be if you're traveling or you have limited access to weights. So, you know, you're probably going to get more out of a limited weight session when you're training under BFR than you will just body weight uh -huh. only without BFR. Um, uh, the third situation would just be to, to spare, you know, connective tissue and, and joint fatigue or, you know, strain, I guess. Um, because training at lighter loads, if, if you're able to get a bit more out of your lighter load training, you know, somewhere around 25, 30 reps, uh, that training, still drives a ton of stimulus to the muscle, but tends to to give a little bit of a break to the connective tissues. So those are kind of a couple instances where your average healthy person, it may make sense to, to implement BFR. That's a great answer. I don't, I, I don't think a lot of people um, have access to that kind of basic information. I mean, that, that just makes complete sense. I don't have a lot of time. It's, you just described the modern person's life. You know what I mean? I have limited time. <laughs> I need the biggest bang for the buck and the least yeah. of risk of injury. You know, I mean, you just hit the sweet spot on everything. Yeah. And we're the first to say, too, like, we'll get asked, you know, okay, BFR, I read that it's good for strength. Like, we're even really careful about the language that we use on our site. You know, if somebody's a power lifter and they're coming to me asking me how to, how are they going to prepare for their meat, like, BFR is probably going to be last on the list as far as what I'm going to, you know, they need to get under heavy load. Um, you know, there's all these instances where, where, and we try to highlight the instances where it doesn't make sense. Um, but there's, there's always applications, like you mentioned, the three that we just listed, or even in the case of the power lifter, um, if he, you know, we talk about specificity that you should either train the thing that you're trying to get good at, or the, the underlying systems and structures that support that thing. And there's a times where for power lifters, the underlying systems and structures might be just putting on some muscle while limiting abuse on the, the joints and connective tissue. So there's a specific instance where maybe a power lifter could even make use of it. Those are just really spectacular answers. Thank you. I mean, that, that was really, really, really succinct. And I'm, I'm kind of cracking up a little bit because I, I completely hear you with the power lifter. I, I'm there. I'm hundred percent there with you, but let's face it. 95% yeah. of the population is running around like their hair is on fire. Because there's not enough time in the day, you know, and if you throw kids into the, the mix, it's like, so yeah, I mean, you just found a way brilliantly to shorthand time in the gym, time away from work, time away from the family, you know, and yet not have to sacrifice something that's extremely important to you personally, you know, so. Definitely. So it seems pretty evident, right, that blood flow restriction does have positive effects overwhelmingly positive effects we can say now i guess there's the barrier of the cost to entry if we're looking at you know a more advanced model so a bluetooth cuff and the only thing i've ever seen you know is other brands increase prices over time and it's an investment right i mean let alone people pay a gym membership and and for what else not at the gym but it's, it's a real investment for most folks has that been an issue for the company at all? 
with just uh, logistic logistical constraints and price increases over the last yeah, I mean, few years, you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Cost of goods? Uh, it has. I mean, our margins have been eaten into fairly, fairly significantly um, in a lot of ways, even just when it comes to mm -hmm. shipping the product. Uh, shipping is just multiplied to a significant degree the, the, the last couple of years. Um, but I think you want to be careful, careful making any commitments on a podcast, but I would say, you know, we don't have any plans to, to increase our price in the even far out future at this point, um, unless something dramatic changes. So, you know, our goal is to try to make it as, as accessible as possible. No, of um, course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but how do you tackle that then when, you know, customer wants to purchase it and how do you acquire the customer then? Let's kind of go with that. Uh, like on the marketing side, exactly. just customer acquisition. So we, the, this has been the interesting thing. And this is kind of back to what Asher and I were, were riffing on a bit ago, as far as like introducing the, the, you know, gen pop to the product. Uh, when I first, came on board with Saga. The first goal was, okay, can we try to capture everybody who's searching for blood flow restriction mm -hmm. cuffs already? Um, because they're, they at least know what the technology is. They know at least a bit about the science when they search for it. Let's make sure that we're the ones that we at least show up and that we're, they know about us. Um, and I think we've, we've done, we've kind of reached near maximum as far as what we can do there. Uh, and, and we saw that with, you know, once we, we really saw a massive increase in sales over time as we started making sure, Hey, if you're searching for BFR, you're going to at least see us and you can compare us from a, a product and price standpoint. And then it's up to you to make that decision. We really kind of max that out. Um, the next, the next evolution is introducing our product to people who don't even know what blood flow restriction is. And so we've done this a couple ways and if, if not to get too far into the weeds, but, but an interesting uh, way that we've gone about that is we we pick uh, sports or uh, athletic endeavors that BFR could mm -hmm. be conducive for. And so rock climbing is one, CrossFit is one, jujitsu is one, you know, combat sports. And we will find a creator, somebody who you call them an influencer, whatever you want to call them in that field and educate them on BFR or find somebody who's already educated on BFR and then just have them communicate that to their, their audience. Hey, this is how I use blood flow restriction for jujitsu. My joints are, you know, constantly beat up in the sport and, you know, BFR allows me to get a muscle building stimulus while kind of sparing the joints, whatever the, the, you know, the deal is. Um, we've had a lot of luck and we'll actually not only have them communicate that to their audience, um, we'll generally have them do like a couple episode series. So the, the first video would be, this is how I use blood flow restriction. And the second one would be, this is why I use Saga at, over other companies. Um, that's gone really well for us. And we'll even run those as paid ads. So if you're interested in the sport of jujitsu, there's a chance that you'll just be scrolling through your Instagram and you'll see, you know, a Saga video. Um, yeah. So the combination of, you know, capturing the people who search on Google, like if you search Saga Fitness on Google, you're probably going to see us at the top or close to it, um, running videos like that. And then the broader educational component has been a huge one for us is like, you know, if our goal is that if you learn about blood flow restriction from uh, our podcast or our channels, that you might be more likely to purchase um, our cuffs, purchase the Saga cuffs. And we're yeah. pretty upfront about that. No, I like that how you went out to almost find like an, in, not an influencer, but someone who can better represent the brand itself and the product.
that's a really good way to and they're going to be more willing to listen to them than they will to us because it's like, you know, the, I follow this guy for jujitsu advice or, you know, CrossFit advice or yeah. whatever else. Rich, um, yeah, it's well received. Rich sport exactly. or, ath- or athletic environment has adopted this most. CrossFit's been huge and, and that could be a result of it's tough to nail down what that's specifically a result of. Uh, we went pretty heavy into working with CrossFit creators early on because my thought was, okay, look, you know, let's say if, if we're going to do an influencer deal, not that, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes would even be within our budget, but let's say he was, how many millions of people are, fo- are following him that uh, are interested in his performance training or are just interested in watching him on Sunday. Most people just want to watch Pat. You know, there's of course athletes that watch him, but when you look at CrossFitters, somebody like Tia Claire Toomey or um, anybody who's competing in the games this year, if you follow a CrossFitter, chances are you're probably pretty interested in the sport. Um, mm-hmm. It's so niche compared to you know a superstar like Patrick Mahomes. So we felt like the return on investment would probably be better working with CrossFitters and. Consequently, I think we've seen a huge adoption in the CrossFit space. Um, combat sports been big. We had a partnership with UFC Performance Institute. Uh, Duncan French and the guys over there are, um, are you know phenomenal. And um, those are those are. It's amazing how you came to that conclusion. I mean, what what drew you to that besides you know preferred jujitsu from away from like someone a little bit larger in the sphere? Uh, the, the combat sport piece came partially off the back of the partnership that we had with UFCPI. Um, and you know, those guys that are using, trying to prepare fighters for, for combat. And I think combat sport is uh, something I've like fallen in love with over the last couple of years. And it's such a Mm. demanding sport. And it's, in my opinion, one of the most difficult sports to prepare an athlete for, because what, you know, what do you prepare for? Is it power speed? endurance, what type of endurance, um, you know, then there's the tactical, technical demands of the sport. Um, but I think the, we saw kind of the, the adoption from fighters and thought, you know, this might make sense in the, in the broader, uh, combat sport market, even, you know, obviously non-professional fighters and, uh, the application, I think in, in things like jujitsu where people's joints are beat up quite a bit. Uh, there's, there's an easy kind of cross bridge there to communicate the benefits of BFR. And, um, yeah, then the other aspect of it is in sports like that, really in any sport, but you know, in combat sport that you have to spend so much time training on the actual thing, you know, you have your striking practice, grappling, um, you know, jujitsu, all that kind of stuff. When you, you need to save time when it comes to strength conditioning, or a lot of them try to save time and save actual mechanical work. And so that's where BFR can kind of be a nice little augment to their training there. Makes perfect sense. I mean, this, I think, at least for me personally, the, the biggest value of BFR is that time-saving component, but without a loss of benefit. You know what I mean? Um, that, that to me is just like, yeah. you just wave the Harry Potter wand and I'm like, okay, that's exactly what I was looking for. So. Yeah, it's probably I the most viable marketing point. Yeah, I mean, that's a win-win. I, I get to spend less time, but I'm not – nothing, if you're really into keeping yourself well, nothing stinks more than knowing you trimmed, cut short, crapped, 
half-assed, you know, pick an expression because he just, I, I got to get out of here. I got a meeting. You know, this stupid thing is blowing up while I'm talking to you guys because I run a business. You know what I mean? Like, there's just so little time anymore. Um, I always feel, I don't know if you guys know what the Running with the Bulls is in Pamplona, Spain. They released a herd of bulls and a bunch of idiots were dumb enough to sign up to run in front of them. Run real fast. <laughs> and I think that's a good metaphor for modern living. We're all running in front of the bulls. So this is like a giant win where you're like, here's the science behind it. So it's not snake oil. It's not nonsense. You can read it. It's there. Um, and it works. You know, I mean, I just think it's a scientific miracle, if you will. <laughs> I just think it's, it's, it's an untapped tool for a lot of people. It solves the, a lot of problems for a lot of people. And I think in the top three problems most people are living with on a daily basis, that's also contributing to chronic stress is that constant sense of, did I, did I get it done? Is it all done? Did, did I miss anything? Did I not you know, cross the teeth down an eye? And I think that's, that's like the strongest benefit, if you will. So this kind of training. Yeah. If you get stuck in the loop of, uh, shoot, I, I need to get a session in and you, but I I'm limited on time. Then you rush through the session. My last two injuries have come from rushing a lower body session. Um, and you know, that you're trying to get under heavy load sooner than you should. And then that sets you back. It's, a bad it's just like, a, uh, it's, yeah, exactly. a feedback you're going this way yeah. instead of going that way. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Do you guys yeah. work that into your rhetoric? Cause I think it's magic. I honestly do. I'm literally sitting here in this conversation going, why have we not harped on the time portion more? Yeah. You know, it's one of our pillar for, this is when you should train BFR, but we, we need to run entire campaigns around so. the idea of Especially time. Like, uh, supported by the two, there's your science. It's not BS. I'm not selling you, you know, like I said, snake oil, it works. And here's the science. And then over here, just that, I mean, it's freaking magic. I don't have enough time. You know what I mean? You don't have enough time. None of us have enough time. You just said you got injured twice because we're trying to do something quick. It doesn't work. One way or the other, that number will come up. I think that's that's your golden horn. The masses. Yeah. Our constraint has been, and I, this is a solvable problem. I just haven't solved it yet, is we're always so like cautious to not, like you're saying, to not yep. be snake oilsy. And it's very hard to do that in short segments, marketing segments, where even it's like everything requires context. So we don't want to say BFR lets you put on muscle. It's like, okay, yes, it does. But, you know, there's X, Y, and Z. It's, we're not saying that you can't put on muscle with traditional resistance training, you know, all right. these things. And so I end up like in a loop of trying to provide so much context and in general, this and that. And it's like at some point, but you, you have a have giant to, space like, of 30 try to find a way to, to be it, concise. <laughs> You know, I mean, yes, that's the exactly. problem, Steve. Exactly. <laughs> Cram for right. minutes of information exactly. in 15 seconds. Go. Damn, um, yeah. You know, yeah. you know what my, um, again, I'm just riffing, the solution to that in these multiple platforms that do have such short sound bites would be to, to, because you're not lying, you're confident in what you're saying, right? Make your claim, sell the product based on the claim, and then here's my resources for you to do further, you know what I mean? And, and, and don't lead them to the blinding 40 yeah. page paper, which they're not going to understand anyway, but lead them to perhaps like a compilation of abstracts 
where you're like, these are the heavy hitters yeah. who do the research. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because an abstract is just common vernacular. Anybody can read it, right? It's just telling you what happened. So, but it, that would be my three-tier thing. Like, here's the promise, here's the product, here's the backup to it, and see what comes home. Yeah, that's a good idea. We can always link to more detailed information. And that's a great close the ad anyway. Or yeah, from the ad somewhere else. to like a, a 30 or 40 second thing on YouTube. If you want more information, there are links at the bottom, blah, 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 blah. You know? And the people who really, I would yeah. be intrigued, I would hit the link. A year and a half ago when I didn't know yeah. what the hell this was, out of, out of blind curiosity, I would be like, I hit the link. You know? <laughs> like... Sounds cool. Where's yeah. the proof? You know, and once I got the proof, I'd be like, okay, right. It's just that's that, that's just me. Yeah, that's that's chatting off the top of my head. But honestly, so, I, think, I think that's your path to glory. And that's is, is yeah, that time thing. So, Stephen, um, if I came up to you, right, asked you what blood flow restriction is, what's something you could say very concisely for someone brand new? So the, the easiest thing I would say is blood flow restriction allows you to mimic higher intensity training broadly while training at a lower intensity. Uh, that would be the, the one sentence benefit. The explanation of what it is, is it involves placing a inflated cuff on either your upper arms or upper legs, and then engaging in some form of physical activity. Um, and I would just say that it partially restricts blood going into the limb and fully restricts blood from leaving the limb this creates an environment that's conducive to, um, well, I w maybe you wouldn't use those. Yeah. It creates an environment that's conducive to favorable muscle growth and potentially endurance adaptations at a lower intensity. That was not concise at all. That was, but that was the best I could um, do. I'm kind of caught you off guard with that, but just a way to end it. Right. So, um, beyond that though, what would you like to leave the audience with? Yeah, I would just say if you have, so our goal is to to deliver as much education and value to, to the broader market as we can. So if you have any questions on blood flow restriction, uh, questions on our product, you can reach out to me personally. Uh, my email is Stephen with a V at saga.fitness. Um, if you have podcast suggestion ideas, have at it. Uh, but if you want to, to, to learn more about BFR, you can find our podcast at literally the blood flow restriction podcast is what it's called on every platform. And um, yeah, I just thank you guys for, for having no, me. Thank today. you, Steven. That was a wealth of knowledge. I and mean, we hit on everything from, you know, blood flow restriction, a little bit of marketing business aspects. So thank you for that. That was fun. Hey, and you guys, you guys got me going on the next campaign.